Welcome to episode 101. Welcome, welcome back, my friends. It's Phoebe Leona here, and you are back in the space in between. And we took a little bit of a break for the holidays and just sort of regrouping our nomad land and restructuring and getting some new things together just for you to kick off this new year. And we're back, and I'm so excited we're back here today with a very, very special guest, uh, Alexander Shia. He is a beautiful teacher. I have been studying with him from afar for a number of years now, reading his books and listening to him speak, and now I get to share him with you. So if you've never heard Alexander Shia's words, then you are in for a treat. He will be on here talking about his his perspective of the hero's journey, the fourfold path through um, through the eyes and, and lots of different perspectives, but he looks at the lens through Christianity and he talks about these words like dark and light and why we should use words like radiance. And then he also discuss these words like knowing versus hope. I just love how he dives into the words that we choose to use that we might not necessarily think about in our day-to-day life, but how they have such deep meaning. And maybe after this conversation, you'll start to look at the words that you choose uh, as you're communicating with yourself and out into the world. So he's a very special guest, and I cannot wait to share with him um, with you all in just a moment. But We have, as I've been saying, creating lots of new, beautiful ideas and experiences just for you. Our new community membership is launching this month. This is January as you're listening to it. We are launching our new community membership, which is offering, it's only $40 a month, and you get access to our monthly gatherings. So we're offering a monthly gathering with the community where we're going to have each month a discussion. So this month is we're looking at intentional beginnings. So I will be bringing in some of the aspects of my course, Who Are You Becoming, to look at that as as you sit in the new year. Who do you want to become in 2021? So we'll use some tools that I have offered in my online course, like a meditation and a little journal exercise, and then we'll have a discussion as a community on what that could look like and what kind of action steps can you start to step into this new, beautiful expression of you. Uh, And then I will be following up a monthly workshop later in the month kind of with that same thread with my Movement 109 practice. So we'll be diving in deeper into the body. And then we'll also be having our another monthly offering is our podcast interviews. So each, uh, each month I will be hosting on Zoom my guest, my special guest of the month, where you as a community member can join us and sit and have your own intimate private Q&A after the recording is over. So you get to sit and watch the recording on Zoom. And then once that record button is 
pressed and no longer, you get to stay and have a conversation with myself and the special guest. So you get access to all of these every month for only $40 a month. And then we have other things that we'll be creating new experiences right now online, but we also will offer discounts to when we come back in person, our yoga retreats and our other wellness retreats and facilitator trainings and yoga teacher trainings. You'll get discounts on those as well. And we're also going to start a pen pal program, which I'm really excited about. So you get to meet up with one of our Nomad members and you will get to have a pen pal if you wish. I've just been receiving a lot of beautiful cards for the holidays and just some random acts of kindness of my friends just sending me a letter. And It's just lit me up. And I remember that feeling of, you know, do you remember that feeling of going to the post office and it isn't a bill or it isn't junk mail, but you actually have a handwritten letter? So I thought that maybe this would be a really beautiful idea during our times of a possible lockdown to kind of connect in a different way, in a way that we haven't maybe in a long time. So that will also, that is also, not will, but it also is part of our community membership and so much more. You can go over to nomadalwaysathome.com to find out more about that and learn more about who our community is full of yogis and healers and wellness seekers and travelers of all kinds. So I think if you're here listening to this podcast of The Space in Between, you will definitely be a part of this community. You already are. You're here. You're listening. So let's, um, yeah, let's go ahead and sit with Alexander Shia and see what words of wisdom he has for us today. Okay. I am so honored, so excited to be sharing Alexander Shia here today. So first of all, thank you for being here, Alexander. Uh, it's a delight. <laughs> it truly, Phoebe, it's a delight. And I've been listening to your podcast and I watched your TED talk. I watched your TED dance. I'm in awe. Wow. <laughs> that just, that warms my heart because I have been a fan of yours for at least four years now. You know, I, I'm a follower of Rob Bell. So your your kind of Christmas visit uh, on his his podcast has been is always one of my now my rituals. And uh, and I and I often have been sharing your teachings at my winter solstice event. So I always listen to your like little gems of wisdom and I carry it through into the winter solstice. And um, and I've been reading. I've read a couple of your books, the the Camino, and then I'm in the midst of Heart and Mind. So, wow, such Thank a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there are there are so many questions that I have for you today, and you know, I was like I said when we were just speaking before we started recording, I was revisiting the last episode you had um, with Rob Bell last year, and. It was, I want to kind of start there because I would, I always feel listening to you that I'm part of this conversation too. And I'm thinking, oh, I have this question. And then you go right there into it. So now I get to actually ask you the questions. Cool. Um, when I was listening to the, the Rob cast, uh, the last one, you were, you were speaking about joy and I want to start there. I think joy is a good place to start 
but you were also talking in that, that was almost a year ago, you were speaking about how you were feeling that there was something shifting in your own life. And this was pre-COVID. And so I really just want to first check in with where you're at in, in the midst of all of this and any guidance you have in, in the space of joy. Well, and Rob and I have had a, um, a sort of a standing date every December, which sadly is not going to happen this year, which I'm really, really like. But we were together. It was the second week of December last year, so almost exactly a year. And we were both talking about how we felt like we were at the end of something. We just knew that we both were at the end of what had been in our life, professionally at least, and weren't sure what was coming next. Well, boy, we could never have imagined this. Um, I could never have imagined this, including now it looks as if uh, I'm going to be having my primary residence in Spain, which is uh, because I was locked down in Spain for, for six months okay. uh, because of COVID and developed this whole a place to live, a community, um, um, anyway, that in the midst of what was one of the most isolating mm -hmm. um, and confining times, because in Spain, you could not go outside your door yeah. uh, without having uh, a 600 euro fine, which is a, about 750 US dollars for a spine. Sorry, where were you in Spain? Where were you? Uh, I was in a small village outside of the, the city of Leon. Okay. Um, and But all of Spain was under this total lockdown. Yeah. If you needed food or medicine, you contacted the police and they delivered it to your door. Okay. Yeah. That was not the lockdown here in the United States. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and I, just... The inability to get fresh air, mm -hmm. to go for a walk, mm -hmm. um, it was, it was, I mean, I've often wondered what it would be like to be in prison and I, that's as close as I ever care to come. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually, I just got, I did get chills when you just said that your primary residence was Spain because I felt that for some reason when I heard you speak. And that last one, because I know that you have done the Camino seven, for seven years. And I was thinking of you thinking, I wonder if he somehow was over there in preparation of that. So, and then how did you find your way back? Because um, you're in New Mexico now, you're in Santa Fe, correct? I, I'm back in my other home, which is Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. And literally, I came back because I want to apply for residency in Spain. Okay. And you can't apply as a U.S. citizen. You can't apply for residency when you're in Spain. You have to go back to your home country. Okay. And so I'm now in a rather long administrative process. It will all work, but it's just there are a lot of hoops to jump through. I will talk to you some other time about that because <laughs> that is also a dream of mine to be in Spain. <laughs> um, it is an, it's an amazing country. Anyway. Yeah, it is. It is, I know. And it's true. And, it, and it's every year um, since 2012 in the autumn, I have led a group on the Camino. And this is the very first autumn in seven, eight years that I've been back in the States. 
Yeah. Well, and you spoke in that last that last episode on Robcast of of that was you were feeling that this was the end. You were feeling that there was one more to come, uh, being this year in 2020, and you felt that there was something shifting. And it's and when I was listening to you speak, I felt like wow, there were some seeds being planted that you knew but you didn't quite know, right? And, Absolutely. Our yeah. our bodies know. Our bodies know. Our bodies know. It takes a while for the rest of us to catch up, but it, but if we're listening and feeling, That's our bodies so know. Our bodies do know. Can you speak? I I know that in my bones, but can you speak to what that means to you? Well, there have been so many times in my life where um, my mind has wanted to go ahead, but when I come back home and really sit with what my body is feeling, I know that something has changed or something is about to arrive or something is leaving. Yeah. I, I don't know any more than that. Yeah. But, but I, I, you, when, I think when you live close to your body, you, you really learn how to uh, understand the energy, which tells you that yesterday's gone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell you what's coming. It doesn't tell you you've got to go into that in-between space. Yeah, but it also lets you know that you can't hold on, and that's an important. It's like I have spent so much of my early life trying to hold on, mm. and have learned that really the joy so much is is meeting the flow, and knowing that there's an intention in the flow which is more than what my mind knows about, and so I. I become, I hope that I become what I call a person of knowing yeah. rather than a person of hope. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't think of hope as that, I don't know what the word is, but hope has doubt and anxiety and longing in it. Um, but when you know that there are seasons and you know that your body knows, yeah. You can just trust in the knowing rather than the hoping. Yes. And I think I heard I've heard you speak about the hope before. Um I'm curious to know since we're here about the body, how how do you know in your body? What does it feel like? This is a lot of work that I do personally and professionally. I'm curious to know what does that feel like? Um, it's a gut, it's a gut sensation that I've just, through the years of listening and experiencing, I now know pretty much what it's telling me. Yeah. For a long time, I would override it with my mind, or I would go into denial, or I would try to go away from it. But I've learned that it just fills me with so much, uh, joy is the only word I can think of, to trust that sensation that's telling me something more than what my mind yet knows. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, and, and then, and just to see the contrast when you're saying knowing versus hope, what does, what does that feel? What is, what would hope feel like in your body? So you can kind of sit with yourself and say, is this knowing or hope? What do you, do you, how does. Earlier for me, hope was, was the sensation when I was learning how to trust. Mm-hmm. It was like um, hope was 
it was my first step on the way to trust and trust was on, is on the way to knowing. Yeah. Um, but when I can really trust my body, then I can go to a place which is, which hope is sort of created in me, which is a deeper place of like, okay, yeah, um, everything's going to be okay. I don't know what's coming, but I'm okay. Yeah. And I and I know that there's a river that I'm flowing down. Mm-hmm. It sounds like when I'm hearing you speak, it sounds very it sounds very rooted, but there is there is there's this ebb and flow. There's this energy of of surrender. Right. Yeah. There there's um I mean in some ways, uh like Gabriel Roth in mm-hmm. uh, um there's a flow. And once you, whether it's the seasons, whether it's dance, whether it's music, uh, whatever way you enter the flow, once you know the rhythm of it, mm-hmm. you sort of know where you are, you know where you've been, and you know what's going to come next, although you don't know what it's going to look like or when it's going to happen. Yeah. And 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 I can just, in my life now, trust. I mean, I... I talk about the four seasons of the four pads mm-hmm. um, and the first one is change and the second one is trial and the third is joy and the fourth is service but I, I, I especially if I'm in that second path which is a time of great unknowing and unlearning yeah I can trust the unlearning and I can trust the shedding because I know this is not the end. Mm-hmm. It's just simply the next place on the way to a more vital life. And it sounds like you have to do this cycle, the seasons or the path, as you say, a number of times to remember when you get to that second path. Oh, I've been here before. Oh, I'm going to be okay here. And I know that there are other paths that are ahead. Yeah. Right. And that, uh, the old anthropologist in me, which is was my my first profession and probably one that I still go back to most, is I was studying rites of initiation across the world. Okay. And I think before I started studying them, my idea of initiation is you're initiated to become something at the end of the process. That's not what initiation is about. Initiation teaches you the rhythms of life and how to discern and be with each part. So it initiation becomes like this mirror that um, or your or the map that will teach you for the rest of your life because you've gone through this part and the mentor has taught you how you respond to this part and what 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 are the ways that you can use, um, to to access wisdom in this part. So it's not so much I, I'm going to be initiated to do this. I'm going to be initiated so I can learn the four parts of a process of change that I'm constantly going through. Yeah, I love it because it, there's not a de- it's not a becoming a destination. It's it's constantly being in yeah. that. Yeah. 
I'm curious, you know, because as I said, I, uh, I'm in the midst of reading Heart and Mind, which I know it has a new title, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But, you know, I, the, it came to me because I listened to the last, you know, last year's Robcast, and it reminded me, I put it on my Christmas list, and I received it. But I didn't actually get to start reading it until March. I was in Bali and leading a retreat. Uh-huh. And I knew that I was going to have a little bit of downtime there after my retreat. And that was my treat was to bring your book. And I, and, and that was when the lockdown was starting to occur. You know, we were getting all of this news back in the United States. I wasn't sure if I was going to, um, if I was going to come home, you know, because the airports were going to close. And I opened your book and I started to read about the first path. <laughs> Of, of the rupture, right? And and then I would, you know, and then I made my way home and, you know, I was reading the second path and I somehow put it down for a little bit of time because I'm a very slow reader and that I love to just sit with things and see how they interweave with my life. But I felt that we were all collectively entering the path together, um, the first path together. And I'm curious, <laughs> yeah, you're nodding your head. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm curious. I mean, truly, that I mean, March the 15th in the year 2020 was a moment that every person, no matter where you live, the depths of the Amazon or a village in Spain or Antarctica, we all, I mean, I don't know that there's ever been a moment like this in human history. I don't know either because we're so all connected, you know, through technology. So we all knew what was happening as opposed to just, you know, a tribe in a life. Right. We were all in this together. You're so right. So can you speak we're right now? <laughs> Which path are we in right now, Alexander? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, if you have an well, idea. The, well, first of all, um, let me let me just step back a moment and talk yeah. about the four paths yeah. uh, to, to bring our, our, uh, our listeners in with us. Yes. When I was in college, I had the great privilege of being directly taught by Joseph Campbell, the American mythologist. And oddly and wonderfully enough, he was teaching at the University of Notre Dame in the theology department. And he was teaching us that scripture still conforms to what he calls the pattern of the one the one great story and what he what he was teaching is is that every great human story has four parts to it and if it doesn't have four parts to it it doesn't usually endure across the centuries mm-hmm. and he named the four parts of the great story which has now become what I call the four parts of the journey of of transformation. Mm -hmm. But he said the first part is hearing the summons to a new journey, hearing what I call the the invitation to change and growth. But I also, I love what what he talked about there. He talked about in the first path, if there's not a profound no in you, it's probably not a very deep transformation that there, that, that we really have to wrestle or, or, or work through to a yes to the journey. The second path he called facing great trials and obstacles. And I mean, another way of calling this is the hero or the heroine's journey. And we, we hear the summons 
and we eventually say yes, and we go off. And, and the next part of the journey is the monsters and the trials and also the magic. Yeah. That resources come that we could never have imagined. That the wisdom teachers show up, um, mm-hmm. etc. But this is a time of unlearning mm-hmm. because yesterday is gone. And we're now in this place which is liminal, it's the between space, and all the rules of yesterday don't work anymore, and what's coming isn't here yet. And and the primary emotion of this second period is usually for most of us a great deal of anxiety because nothing seems to be working or in flow. You're actually in flow, but it doesn't feel like flow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the and the work of the second path is to face these trials and tests uh, without forcing an answer. Mm. But then somewhere the third path comes, or what Campbell talks about is the third part, which he which he says is receiving the boon or the gift. Mm-hmm. And this is in the great rites of initiation. Uh, the initiate may have a, a the vision or the dream which lays out what their skill or gift or or talent for the community is going to be. Mm-hmm. But in the third path, when you receive this gift, we, we have this infilling of energy. We have this sense of like, oh, now I can look back at my life and understand how it's all been leading up to this realization. Um, that, oh, this is what the next part of my life is going to be about, et cetera. The challenge here with the third part, especially for us in the West, is because the energy of the third path is so strong, we think we've arrived somewhere. We think we've got it. We think this is the end of the journey. Yeah. But actually, it's just the beginning of the next part of the journey, which Campbell calls the fourth part which is the return to community. Mm-hmm. And it's the return to community that that when we get this vision or this gift or this talent or this awareness about what we have to offer, that then we have to go offer it. Yeah. That our future self and the world are waiting for what we have to give. Yeah. And that unless we give it, the journey is stunted. And so he talked about this ongoing sort of four-path journey, that there are moments where we go through the four parts um, in some really strong way to learn the four parts, and then we apply that learning for the rest of our life. Right. So again, his four parts were summons to the journey, facing trials and obstacles, receiving the boon, and then returning to community with the gifts to serve. Right. Yes. So I've renamed that in my work is the first part is uh, how do we face change? Mm-hmm. And the second is how do we move through times of great trial and obstacle? And the third is um, how do we receive joy, which is the gift? And the fourth is um, how do we mature in serving? So all of us last March the 15th or somewhere in that March time. Yeah got the summons to a new journey. And as Campbell would say, the summons always happens to us by surprise or shock. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, sometimes that summons as we fall in love, and that's that's probably the the what's the word I'm looking for the 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 more happy way to enter the journey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But usually, it's it's that we wake up in our habitual life and suddenly realize that yesterday's gone. Yeah. And that can be a partnership. It can be work. Yeah. Uh, it can be COVID. Yeah. Um, it can be a spiritual teacher who we learn has not been ethical. Um, in 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 all of those ways, rather than casting out on the event as this is bad, and I don't mean to say that those events um, are. What's the, what am I trying to to say here? Uh, I, I don't want us to spend a lot of time judging that outer event because on the inner journey, it what happens, happens. And then we have to make decisions about how we're going to, to work with it. Yeah. And that's different than a court of law. Court of law has got its, its realm. But in the inner realm, it's not going to help us to spend a lot of time saying, well, if that other person or if the government or if, or if, or if, this moment is about how am I going to grow by what is? How am I going to grow because of the reality of COVID? How am I going to receive these limitations and restrictions, not as a, an outer betrayal of my life, but rather an inner invitation mm-hmm. to do deeper work on myself. Yeah. And so each one of us um, will have our own response to COVID. It would, that the same event is going to mean something different yeah. to each one of us. Uh, I mean, I, I know people who have just loved that, COVID gave them permission to live out their introversion, to be a hermit. I'm Uh, one of those people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whereas for other people, it just, it's like uh, their skin's on fire uh, by the fact that they can't be with a lot of people and they can't do all the outer activities that they want to do anyway. Uh, Yeah. And for can I just stop you for just a moment because you had spoken, well, you had spoken about how you were feeling called to put a pause on your life because you had been leading the Camino um, groups on the Camino for seven years and you knew that there was something that you needed that was calling you to stop. And so the universe definitely, your source definitely put you in that space. And yeah, and you just spoke to that a little bit. So where were you in that point? Were you seeing that as a blessing or what was the journey like for you, that calling? Well, I, I had made this prayer last year and I don't mean that my prayer is so powerful that it brought COVID, but my prayer yeah. was I wanted to stop traveling so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually, on the 14th of March, was in the UK preparing okay. for, preparing to lead a week seminar that suddenly within an hour um, was delayed and then eventually canceled. And Mm -hmm. I was like, 
do I go on to Spain where a month from now I'm supposed to lead a retreat or do I go back home to the States? Yeah. And literally with it, in a moment, went to the airport, got a ticket, flew to Spain, later realized that my flight to Spain was the last flight into the airport before mm-hmm. lockdown began. I didn't know that lockdown was coming. Yeah. Woke up the next morning at the retreat center to the news that it, we couldn't go outside. Wow. Okay. You were at the retreat and, center. Yeah. But we but we were thinking at that point, this was going to be like two weeks. Yeah. You know, in two weeks became months. And, and I was cut off from all of my friends in the States and my friends in the UK. And I, I had one friend in Spain, yeah. but I don't speak Spanish that well. <laughs> um, the gift in this was in the isolation and in the loneliness, the gift was we decided to take the retreat that I was going to do in Spain, which was an eight-day retreat, okay. and go online with no idea whether this was going to work or not, or if anybody was going to want to do this, et cetera. I was shocked. At, hmm. I didn't think that intimacy could be experienced through the screen. I was wrong. Yeah. I, I completely understand. You know, this was, this podcast, the only rule I had prior to COVID was it had to be in person because I didn't think it would translate. But here you and I are, I'm getting to speak with you, which I might, it might not have happened before. And it is, there's something beautiful that has, I, I see this gift too. It's true. Yeah. So all of my work has changed since March. Um, and it's gone, it's gone primarily online, which also gives me the stability to do the writing that I've done this year. And, so you um, did get to start writing, yes. Yes. Good. So the, this this provisional uh, PDF called the Thirteen Days of Christmas is going to release on the sixth of January, the Feast of Saint Nicholas. I love it. Um, and it's only going to be available for one month. And anybody who buys it, I'm asking them if they would write comments to me in January about the material, and I'm going to use all of that to finish, uh, make a finished copy of the book that would be available for next year. But I really feel like this is, that all the ideas that I'm opening up in this book are so new. Uh, I need the maturation of the dialogue. Yeah. And I'm really excited to learn from people what works, what doesn't work, what's what's helpful, what's not helpful, et cetera, anyway. I love that it's a co-creation in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the only way I really want to work these days. I, I agree. I love that. So can we go back to where we are in the path of, sure. of the political path? Yeah. So uh, collectively in the world, we are going back and forth between the first and the second paths. Yeah. And And I feel so much right now and I don't want to be overly political, but so much of what's happening in the States right now, Mm -hmm. uh, people uh, are not willing to receive the work of COVID. 
-hmm. and they're fighting against it. They're in some manner of denial about what's really happened. And I understand all of that as first path material. Uh, The journey will ultimately, I hope, break through the denial and people will really enter into a journey of transformation. But uh, there is so much pain right now because people are fighting what is and they're fighting the sense of care and protection that we should have for each other. Yeah. Is there something that we can do as people who are, you know, who are aware of the path and entering into it? Is there something that we can do um, in order to hold space for them or to perhaps encourage them to see something different? Well, there there are two things that we can do. And one is um, to go back in our lives, or maybe it's this moment right now, where we felt deeply betrayed and hurt by someone else or government or whatever, um, and learn deeper compassion for ourselves in that moment. Mm. Um, and, and then secondly, with, with people who are in denial, uh, begin to try to talk with them in a way, don't argue with them, don't try to tell them that they're wrong or any of that. It's, that's not helpful. But to really empathize and walk alongside whatever their fears are. Yeah. Um, there is a reality which I call spirit that will use our walking alongside another person to help open them up. Mm-hmm. But if we fight them, the, the, their denial is going to be stronger. Yeah, that reminds me of the Ram Das quote of we're here to walk each other home. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, it's, it is so scary because this is, in many instances, this is life and death. Yeah. So we're definitely not at the third path, I guess. Well, collectively. I mean, <laughs> the thing about the paths is, there are certainly those amongst us who are in the third path and those amongst us who are in the fourth path. Oh my God. I look at the healthcare workers on the front lines. Yeah. They are teaching all of us about the fourth path, about, Mm -hmm. about selfless giving in the face of something that could threaten their life and their family. Uh, Two members of my family are doctors. Um, with a four-year-old and the two-year-old at home and they go off every day to take care of us knowing that they're putting their lives on their line and, and, and potentially that their children might lose them. I, I anyway, but so yes, that that's fourth path work. Yeah. So there are those of us on the fourth path. There are those of us, who are in this COVID moment waking up to the gift and the talent that this moment is asking us to give. But collectively on the planet, most people right now are bouncing back and forth between first and second path. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And I, I, 
as you had agreed to this this interview, I thought this is my calling to pick up the book again mm-hmm. <laughs> and do it. And I was starting at the third path, uh, and that was the, to receive joy. And I and I honestly feel where I'm at in my my personal life that I'm very much in that space too, and um, of the third path. And I could really resonate with it. So. But then it, it is, it's hard to recognize that collectively we are bouncing, as you said, between one and two and how to be, um, you know, I, I feel it as a gift of, okay, I'm a few steps ahead so I can somehow, you know, hold that space and and walk aside, as you said, walk them, walk aside. Uh, yeah, so I would love to speak to also because your books, yeah. Well, I- there's a quote that I often use. Um, yeah. I mean, if you know a bit of my story, I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm the son of Lebanese immigrants who came from Lebanon at the turn of the last century. And um, in Alabama, in the 1950s and the 1960s, those were very difficult days. I used to think of them as the most difficult, but now I actually wonder if these days aren't at least as difficult as those were. But uh, the KKK burned down my my Lebanese grandmother's house in the late 1950s. And Martin Luther King Jr. uh, offered these words about such a moment. He said, send your perpetrators into our neighborhoods at the midnight hour. Mm -hmm. Burn our homes, beat our children, and break our bones, and we will not hate you. We cannot in good conscience obey your unjust laws, and we will win our freedom. But we will so appeal to your heart and to your conscience by our ability to suffer Mm -hmm. that when we win our freedom, the victory will be twofold, for we will have won yours as well. And I love it. It's hard to quibble with Martin Luther King in any way, but I often want to change the quote to say that it's not by our ability to suffer, but it's by our ability to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you I, I would love to hear you speak of um, the race that you were talking about in in the book about this word of of how racism is just embedded in our language, and and you know even just this word darkness, right? Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> the question is cut yeah. me off when I've gone on too long. I've got that's okay. I can listen to you all day. <laughs> for this, and I I really I wonder sometimes where my passion comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was a child in in Birmingham, my mother was very sickly. And so there was this incredible woman, Emily, a black woman, who lived and worked in our house for 64 years. And she really became my second mother. If you've seen seen the movie or read the book, The Help, um, Mm -hmm. this is my story. Uh, And her... Her, she embodied something for me that unfortunately my my mother not being well couldn't. And um, so I, I've had this lifelong desire to understand darkness 
in the holiness of the dark. Mm-hmm. And then as a therapist and as a Jungian, I was working in San Francisco and I ended up having a number of clients who were African-Americans. And they began to teach me through their dream life that the dark was healing for them and that white was illness or disease for them. And I began to realize that all of us uh, need to widen our association to this color. And each of us is going to have our own experience of it, which is our experience. But it, but it's not a universal truth. So just think today about how many expressions we use. We call about dark emotions, we say, are difficult emotions. Yeah. Dark times are hard times. Um, darkness, it used to be that darkness in the English language meant contamination, garbage. Uh, all of these these things that in our language we are constantly saying to ourselves over and over and over again about the dark. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy so that then we see a dark person and we project our fear of the dark onto them. This is also sadly true that Uh, In Europe, at the time that Europe went south into Africa, all the European languages had demonized darkness. And they go to Africa and they see dark people. And they thought that they were to enslave them or kill them or rid the earth of them. So I don't mean that by noticing our language, we're going to remove racism. but. It's also something that is so deep in us that we need to become aware of how we use the word dark. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, I, I was just listening to a, 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 an interview with Barack Obama about his new book. And, and he kept constantly referring to dark experiences as difficult experiences. It doesn't matter that yeah. dark-skinned people have interiorized that their their own self-hate of their skin. Yeah. There it is, is. It's just a it, it is. I mean, there are difficult experiences, but they aren't necessarily dark. I, I, I like to remind us that one of the dangerous one of the most dangerous things on the planet right now is a nuclear explosion. Mm-hmm. And a nuclear explosion is the closest thing we have to pure light. Mm-hmm. Also, what's one of the most prevalent forms of cancer? Melanoma, which is a disease of too much light. Yes. That um, it, it's not that the words light or darkness have an inherent value. They just are. But we've projected that, you know, how many, how many spiritual teachers talk about they want you to go towards the light? Yeah. I don't use that language. What I, I want you to go towards the radiance. Yeah. Because radiance has a pulse of light and dark in it. 
which is true in the cosmos. There's nothing in the cosmos which is either light or dark. Everything in the cosmos is made up of some equation, some recipe of so much light with so much dark. Yeah. And you also talk about how there's movement in the radiance, too. There's movement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To just say light or dark feels very static. It feels like a product. It does. Yeah. It does. It feels very static. Mm -hmm. I have shifted my vocabulary to radiance because of you. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and, you know, can we speak a little bit to um, the four paths, too? Because uh, in Heart and Mind, which is now going to be called Radical Transformation soon. Um, Well, okay. So here's the distinction. Okay. Okay. Yes. Please. Radical Transformation is this 20th anniversary hardcover edition, re edited pictures, illustrations, da da da. Heart and Mind will continue to be the title on the paperback and the Kindle. Okay. And the hardcover will be Radical Transformation. And we've just flipped the title. The, the, the paperback is Heart and Mind, The Four Gospel Journey of Radical Transformation. And the hardcover is Radical Transformation, The Four Gospel Journey of Heart and Mind. Okay. So. I love um, it. Well, I already have the paperback. I'll get the hardcover too. Cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're so you're sharing the four path, the fourfold path. Um, but you you use it through the gospels. And I want to speak to that. I want I would love for you to speak to that a little bit because one, I was not raised with a faith. Um, in fact, I would go to, you know, sleepovers with friends and then go to church the next day. Uh, you know, with my friends and think, oh my gosh, this is the scariest thing I've ever heard. What are they teaching? What are they teaching people? So I was actually very fearful of religion, specifically Christianity. And you... I understand. Yeah. And one of my teachers where I'm thinking, ah, this is, this is what, this is what it's meant to be. Um, You know, so thank you, first of all, for being one of those teachers and for the world. But can you speak a little bit to to that, um, the the mirroring of the hero's journey and the Gospels? Yeah, let me do that. Backing up just a little bit, because starting with Joseph Campbell, um, who I came in contact with in 1973, from 1973 until the year 2000, I was teaching educators. Um, I became a psychologist. I was teaching psychologists. Uh, I was teaching spiritual directors about the four paths, about this metaphor for these four parts of a journey of transformation. What happened in the year 2000 was I had this moment where I suddenly realized that these gospel words that I had been reading and hearing about all my life, that each gospel was one path. And that the reason I believe that Christianity ended up with these four gospels is because these four gospels tell the four path journey, that each one of the texts is one path. 
and that the early Christians not only chose these four texts out of out of fifty, but that they put them in a sequence. And the sequence, and it's not the sequence that people today think about, but when you put them back in that ancient sequence, it's the four-path journey. And so we we have a whole new way to appreciate the deep wisdom of Christianity, but we also have a way to appreciate how it's the same, it's the Christian counterpart to the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Each one of the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism is each one of those noble truths is a path. And the four together are the entirety of the journey. And it's true in, in, the, in the myths of indigenous peoples, and it's true in Hinduism, and it's true in Islam, and it's in true in, so, so I get very excited about teaching this way of understanding the Gospels, not to make them be texts which are oppressive or saying this is the only way, but here's one more sacred text which is teaching us about this universal path that we're all on so now having said all of that where where would you like me to go because i just i I, I want i love i mean i under i totally get why people are turned off by the gospels or turned off by jesus i um but there there's a deeper beauty here uh but you've got to go beneath just what the words look like they're saying yeah, and you speak a lot about the deeper, the deep story. I think that's what you say is the deep story. Um, I don't know where to go. I just wherever you want to go. <laughs> well, let me um, just give a, a, a thumbnail. <clears throat> yes. Of of um, each gospel as a path. Perfect. So the the uh, early Christians chose the Gospel of Matthew as the text of the first path. And that gospel was written to the Jewish Christians uh, shortly after the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed and the Jewish priesthood had been massacred. And this moment where for the Jewish Christians and for the Jews themselves, their whole world had turned to ash. Everything that they thought was going to stand forever was gone. And people felt betrayed by God, and they felt betrayed by the Roman Empire, um, and they felt like there wasn't a future. They felt like this was the end time. Yeah. And the Gospel of Matthew comes, and everything in this text is about understanding that, yes, this is, quote-unquote, a dark moment, but darkness is the beginning time. Mm-hmm. It's the reason that Judaism and Christianity and the Celtic world and most peoples start the day at sunset. They start the day when you go into the dark. Where does life begin in us? Begins in the dark womb, begins in the dark earth. That darkness is not demon, darkness is womb time. Darkness is the face of, one of the primary faces of the Madonna. Anyway, the whole text of Matthew is about how you move through betrayal to understand that this darkness, though you may not have wished it for yourself, is a holy pregnant time. And it's asking of you a yes to a new journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second uh, gospel in the sequence was the gospel of Mark. 
And Mark was written to the Jewish Christians in Rome, who the Emperor Nero had just condemned to die, blaming them for setting the great city of Rome on fire in the summer of 64. And the Roman soldiers are going door to door and knocking on your door. Are you a believer in the Christus? And if you said yes, you and your whole family to your down to your grandchildren are going to be arrested and taken to the Circus Maximus and you could be horribly killed. And if you say no, then you have to finger someone else who on your testimony, their family is going to die. So in this moment of extremists, the whole text of Mark is about how do you walk through the valley of the shadow of death by the aroma of resurrection? How do you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, realizing that there's really nothing in your ego that wants to do this, but there's a spirit, there's a grace, there's a presence that can hold you through it? Yeah. Third text in the sequence, third path, joy. Um, The early Christians chose the text of John for this moment. And the text of John, we believe, is coming out of the city of Ephesus, which is a city on the Aegean Sea and what is today Turkey. And it was the eastern capital of the Roman Empire. It was affluent. Uh, And it was affluent because it was the center of the Roman slave trade. Mm. You had this beautiful city up top, and underneath it are hundreds of miles of caverns where the slaves are kept. But also, Ephesus was the center of, of learning, and it had a very powerful and active women's community. Mm. All of that comes together, and in Ephesus, we have the early Christian teaching that it no longer matters what your gender is. It no longer matters uh, where, what your ethnicity is. It no longer matters whether you have money or you don't have money. It no longer matters whether you're free or slave. That there's this teaching here about there is one source, and that one source is called everybody to be brother and sister to each other. Yeah. We can't find that teaching um, in other places at that moment in time, that mm-hmm. this was a, a radical shift uh, under the oppression of the Roman emperor. And, and people came together hearing this vision about a new sort of human family. Yeah. But they had to face two things. They had to face an emperor who didn't want this message to exist. Yeah. And they had to face that the vision alone couldn't accomplish the type of community and family that they wanted to be. So the text of John is the, the, is the spiritual practices and the meditations on union so that we can let go over and over and over and over again we can let go of our sense of privilege mm-hmm. and come into a new community of equals. It, it's, a, it's a phenomenal text yeah. um, about a, a radiance that comes from diversity. 
it's not this is not about uniformity it's about the diadem yeah. it's about about you be authentic you and me be authentic me and we can come together and create a community that in that enhances each other's radiance and doesn't dim it anyway i can go on and on about that i know i want you to go on, but i know we have to well I, I i'm excited about it because in this century mm-hmm. we have a first chance in human history to really begin to do that i feel that too yeah to form a tribe which is not tribal. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. The fourth text, uh, and again, Matthew was about this moment of change, and Mark was about this utter moment of moving through the valley of the shadow of death, and John is about receiving this new vision of who we can be. Yeah. And Luke is the text of, okay, how are we going to do this? Luke is the text of um, actual day-to-day creating this service. Uh, and the text of Luke came at the moment, the very sad, tragic moment, where Judaism and Jewish Christians broke apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Judaism became afraid of the Christians because Judaism was fighting to sustain its 2,000-year-old spiritual life and thought that anybody who believed that the Messiah, the Christ, had already come, that that would, that would finish off what the Romans had started by destroying the temple and ending the priesthood. So they were removing Christians from the synagogue life. The second piece is that once we're removed from synagogue life, the emperor looks out and understands that Christians are a new religion, and he's afraid of us because we're passionate, because we've got this new sense of equality and justice, because we want to raise the status of women, because we're saying that slaves have souls or humans, because we're saying that people of wealth have a responsibility to help those who have less, et cetera, et cetera. And none of this was the value system the emperor wanted. So first he makes us illegals and then he begins to execute us. And the text of Luke is one of the world's first great texts of nonviolent resistance. It was like, yes, Jesus shows us how to speak truth to power, but he shows us something more. He shows us how to speak truth to power in love. Mm-hmm. That we, we fight over principles and philosophies and justice, but we do not demonize another human. And that's, that, I mean, that's a lesson that I'm really wrestling with right now because it's, it's just so easy right now for my fear to let me want to demonize someone else. And I'm trying to stay in the place of I totally disagree, vociferously disagree with your actions and your values. And yet I understand that you two are human. Yeah. So Luke is about how, again, much like Martin Luther King, we will not obey unjust laws. We will not allow an unjust society to stand. But we're going to change it by changing a heart, a heart, a heart, a heart. Yes, it's great to have good laws. And yes, it's great to elect good politicians. But that's not transformation. Yeah. You have good laws and you have good politicians to have a society that can stay on the way to transformation. 
laws and politicians do not transform a heart. No. We need them. Yeah. But that's different than transformation. And so Christianity, for 250 years, were killed by the Roman emperor. And they refused to fight back with swords. They chose the sword of their tongue. Mm. They chose the fiber of their being in love as the way to fight. But the, And they eventually changed the empire. And it fell with yeah. hardly a battle because they had raised up a new value system. So Luke's text is so beautiful because Luke keeps saying, don't look down the road. <laughs> you look down the road, you're going to get bitter. You're going to get resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're going to exhaust yourself. His text keeps talking about right now. I mean, it, it's like this beautiful text of mindfulness. Yeah. What are you doing right now? Even in the midst of, of, of your exhaustion right now, is there a moment of joy? Yeah. Is there a moment of pleasure? Receive those. Th- those are the sustenance for the long journey you're on. Yes. Anyway, I could go on and on, but it's it's yeah. I love what Luke what Luke teaches about us when we're in this moment where the road of justice just goes out to the horizon and beyond. And- Stay. Constant with what you, what small thing you can do today, and let spirit worry about the long road ahead. Yes, oh, I love that so much. I and and what you, I've heard you speak and and reading too of of how the language in Luke is always on the road, as you just kind of reiterated multiple times right. here too. It's a it's a coming home, but it's always on the road. Right. Yeah. There's no. There's, there's never, we're never going to arrive at the just society. Yeah. There's always going to be another issue. Yeah. Because we're, we're always expanding. We're always learning more. Our, our awareness is growing. Thank spirit for that. Yes. But don't ever think that there's going to be a day when there's not another issue for us to wrestle with. Yes. I think so. That's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, well, just so. Yes, we want that day of growth, but don't ever forget to breathe in to this moment Yes, and receive its joy and peace. Yes. And how joy, as you've said before, is joy's humming underneath all of this. I often have taken that, you know, wisdom of just remembering that it's humming underneath everything and it's yes. just there for us to, to take and remember at every moment. Yeah. even in the midst of the first and the second path. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, I could I could sit here and just listen to you speak all day long, but I know we, I want to respect your time because I know you're a very busy man. Um, so anything else to share? I, I also wanted to talk to you about sand, your sand, the sand play, <laughs> but... I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that maybe the next podcast okay. when you come back up. Okay. But is there anything else today that you want to share? Um, I really would like to invite people to go to my website, which uh, we have just released a brand new website, sort of in celebration of the 20th anniversary. Um, and it's 
and this it's www.quad q u a d for four quad ra r a t o s dot com okay and oh my gosh there's just so much on that site to explore just for clicking on it and yes. also it's a place you could order books and and other things yes I love it. And we will definitely have a link, a direct link in our show notes too. So people don't have to stop and drive. If they're driving right now, they'll have a direct link there. Um, I, the, yeah. Well, and the other thing that I, that I want to say is there's no place to get to on the journey. Mm-hmm. If this moment is mainly about the first path for you, that's fine. That's where you are. Yeah. Be in that place. There is a presence that will take you to the second path, into the third, into the fourth, in time. Yes. Oh, thank you. Allow allow yourself to be exactly where you are. And and then the magic will happen. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. As you know, this is the podcast, The Space in Between. And that is that is just that message that we we share with our, our friends here because it isn't about getting to the other side. It's just being, recognizing that wherever you are is exactly where you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. I am so oh. very grateful for your time and your beautiful teaching and and all of the experiences, you know, you have so much um, knowledge, but it's from all of these experiences. And we didn't even really talk fully about your journey, um, but you have such a vibrant, radiant history, personal history, and you bring all of the other histories to life in such a way that um, is just so inspiring and is so um, practical too and accessible for people. And so I'm just, I'm grateful that you exist in this world and that you are sharing what you're sharing in this world. And, and you're having that pause to write more because we need, we need your words in this world, Alexander. Thank you, Phoebe. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know when this might air, but uh, I want to wish people in the Northern Hemisphere that this dark time will be a radiant pregnancy for them. Yes. Yes, it should be um, out just after the new year, but we will mm-hmm. let yeah. everyone know. Thank you. Thank cool. you. Thanks. So that is our 101st episode with Alexander Shia. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Again, you can definitely go ahead and follow him. And I highly suggest getting his book, the paperback Heart and Mind, or the hardback, as he shared, Radical Transformation. Uh, It's such a gift, and I cannot wait to have Alexander back again. Uh, But yes, one more thing here again is our community membership. You can join us now. If you are in search of a place of belonging during these uncertain times or looking for ways to stay connected with your own inner journey while trying to make sense of the new world that is dawning, we are here for you. We're here for you at Nomad with our community membership that offers monthly online events that will keep you motivated, curious, inspired, energized, and calm within the safe container of our community. 
You'll feel supported by your friends, colleagues, teachers, and all around joyful healers and seekers that cannot wait for you to be here. So you can go over again to nomadalwaysatome.com and sign up and meet us and be with us. And yes, I would love, love, love to connect with you in a new way. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, remember if you're over at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else that you can leave a review, I would love to hear from you and see what you you feel. I love seeing these reviews. So go ahead and rate us or review us, whatever you can do. Share this with a friend and uh, let's, let's uh, keep this going. All right. Bye, everybody.